0: Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Dan Eiten, here as always with Todd Atkins. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome, and we're excited today. We've got Henry Costa with us. He's the CEO and co-founder of Glorify, the leading Christian daily worship app. Henry, awesome to have you with us today. Tell us a little bit more about your background and, and Glorify and all those sorts of things. Awesome. So so great to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Well I'm a Brit, so I was
1: born and born and bred in, in London and now live in LA, which is we just moved here with my family. I've got three young kids. We moved here at the beginning of the year. So that's that's all new, that's a big transition but really exciting. And my background is, is quite, quite varied, left, left school and went into finance, worked at hedge funds and then private equity, realized that um, that, wasn't, that wasn't the career path that I, that I wanted and I joined the British military and I was with a special forces regiment in that and um, had this amazing time learning something completely different, loads of things that I take from that into my life going ahead. Um, but I always wanted to be on the commercial track and I moved out to Africa. I've always had a love of Africa since I've grown up, spent a lot of time traveling there and really understanding, you know, the the culture of the different countries surrounding that continent. And it's a big, a big passion of mine. And I was on the founding team of a company called Jumo.World, and we built financial services on top of mobile phone technology. So primarily for the unbanked individuals, we could provide lending insurance savings. Um, they didn't have proof of income. They didn't have proof of addresses. They couldn't fit the traditional Western banking model. But we knew a lot about them through partnering with the telcos and taking those large data sets and it being helping us to credit score individuals and give nano-sized loans, but in very high volumes. And so that was this amazing experience um, of growth, over. Over kind of 3 years we raised 200 million dollars and kind of grew the company from it was five of us at the start to 350 400 people and that company still goes strong today which is which is awesome but that that journey really gave me a an understanding of what we can do with technology, the impact you can drive through technology with the right resources. So with the right people, you can do amazing things. With technology, it can 10X and really enhance enhance that. So I got passionate about the idea of technology driving positive societal change. And we've seen this like last 20 years where you just created whatever you wanted, Mm -hmm. totally unbridled, unfiltered, and we're seeing some of the disruption that that can cause. Now there's some huge benefits to it as well, but it's filtering through that. what I want to ask the questions is at what cost are we? Are these advancements happening and building technology that can truly help us as a society? And the amazing thing is, is a lot of the people that I'm interviewing now are driven by impact. They're people who want to apply their skill set to things that really move the needle from impact for the earth, for people, for the planet. And I think the last 20 years, some of the greatest minds were focused on getting a pizza quicker or getting <laughs> some consumer items faster. And so, but I think that's gonna, that's gonna shift. Anyway, I've, 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 um, I've detracted from your question, but no, I then. No, that was great. I then came back to the, I came back to the UK met up with my co-founder and we built a company in the HR tech space. So solving the problem around connecting people within large organizations. And that was called Grasp. Um, and we sold that in 2021 and then now my everything and all I ever want to do is glorify and glorify was was born out of this um, frustration that I felt so I've grown up in a a Christian family and very involved in the church my whole life and you know I was with my wife we were in Africa and we were trying to find time in our busy schedules to do our daily quiet time which I think is so important um, just to have that touch point um, with God and You know, we were struggling to find the time, the resources. And I I just thought, why isn't there technology that can help us do this? Um, And I looked upon, and that was like a seed being planted. And I'd seen the likes of Calm and Headspace, these big secular meditation apps. And I was like, wow, the Christian world is so digitally nascent in comparison. We're a decade behind. Mm -hmm. Um, What can we do to to catch up? Because we're going to lose a generation if we don't. And so the more I researched about it I realized that actually to address this properly to build the best user experience and product and to um, we need the best team and to build the best team I need to ensure that I get the best capital and so I was like well I've got to build a company in the same way you build a secular business raise traditional venture capital money build the best team attract them from a Broad, broad set of backgrounds and beliefs, and get them to solve this problem, um, to help people grow in their relationship with God and connect with God better. And so that was the that was the premise. That's what we set out to do. And it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride since we've you know raised just shy of a hundred million dollars. Um, we've got A16Z and SoftBank, some names that I dreamt of at the beginning to have on our cap table. Because when we started out raising. Everyone was like, you're not going to get tier one investment because this is faith and Christianity. is So uncool." and I just thought, no, I don't believe you because the scale of opportunity here is so big. The scale of impact is impossible to ignore and it is so needed. And I think the Christian world is crying out for better products, um, to help them connect with God better. So in a nutshell, that's where we, that's where we got to. And it's been an, it's been an amazing journey, but I feel like I'm
2: right at the start. So what is. What's amazing to me is to just hear your story. Um, So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, because one of the things that we're particularly passionate about is uh, leadership development, people development, discipleship and development are really two sides of the same coin. So what I want people to hear is you moved from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 to Ephesians 10. It's your, your God's workmanship. And growing in your faith and your maturity in Christ didn't mean that you didn't recognize who you were and who God created you to be and just flat flourish there. You've got all kinds of different backgrounds, which I appreciate. You are obviously uh, a young guy because I can see you. <laughs> um but but our our, but our people can't but the journey that God is taking you on is tremendous and that you know it's 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 awesome actually that this app is called Glorify because that's what you're basically doing you're taking the life and journey that God's given you and glorifying him by using your gifts in service to Christ, maturing as a believer in using your gifts in service to Christ. So uh, our first question is obviously you are a learner or you wouldn't be in the position that you're in today. So, and you've learned from a lot of different backgrounds and and a lot of different things. But the question is today, who are you learning from? Yeah. um, thanks for the question and you know, I think the, the first
1: is, and I imagine a lot of your, your guests say this, but, you know, Jesus is, is is always sets that perfect example of where we can learn, that's, that's always there. So I think that's always a, a constant and we're ever trying to evolve to be closer into, into that and forever failing. And so there's like that forever improvement, improvement point. And then I've always throughout my life tried to surround myself with people around different aspects of my life where I can... Learn from so in work at the moment. I've got an incredible mentor who is highly experienced. It's very contextual. We have amazing conversations about some of the challenges um, that we face in the in the organisation, strategic direction. And he has a brilliant insight and has been through so much of this. So it's highly contextual, business-focused relationship. But what I found in in my life is that there isn't necessarily a a one person fits all of those aspects who can guide you in your work journey your faith journey your your family journey and it's finding people with those those key pieces of their life that you think i really want to emulate and learn from from that so you know he's been amazing in in a work context and then you know i have a similar in in my faith journey and similar in my like family life. And then of course, you know, my own family and um, I have a very close relationship with my family and speak a lot with my father about, you know, a whole host of these things, which is, you know, so relevant. So I'm always learning and I'm just a product of trying to learn and constantly trying to improve. And I think that the great thing is, is when you realize that everyone's totally unique and everyone's totally different and surrounding yourself with like a council of people I call it like the Council of Elders, that um, they, might, they might have, you know, great insight, but you can cherry-pick from that because not all of it necessarily is relevant to you. And when you realize that what they say is not necessarily gospel, but it's advice that you can take parts of it, leave parts of it, what resonates with you is where you can Im- improve and, and grow, because they're a product of their own learning, and all we're trying to do is improve on, like, previous generation. So yeah, I love to learn from others, and that's how that's how I <laughs> that's how I grow.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, as you lead, you know, glorify, and other areas that you are in, invested in, are there, uh, a, is there a main point of emphasis for your leadership right now as you lead teams, or even just as you lead yourself? The,
1: at, at right now,
0: the, the kind of topical thing, other than kind of being doggedly focused on
1: building, um, you know, best-in-class user experience and product. You know, which is obviously like the mission component of the business. But actually from a leadership component, the biggest thing we're working through is communication and how we communicate in a remote first organization that has some hybrid model approaches. So in London we've got an office, and in Brazil and Latin America, it's completely remote. In the US, in LA, we have an office, but it's primarily um remote around around the US. And how we communicate to ensure that we are collaborating in a cross-functional way to leverage the skill sets and the talents that we've had to be the most efficient business possible. But personally, for me, I find remote working hard. I I I lie, prefer the hybrid model, but then at the same time, you have a smaller talent pool that you can draw from because it's mm. it's just focused in one locale. So there's huge benefits to remote work. But we just had a an LA offsite last week. And it's expensive to fly people in, not only in a cost way, but also in a in just in their opportunity cost of their time. Mm-hmm. Because for a two-day offsite, traveling either side of it is kind of four days taken out of their work. Time, so you, it's got, But it was hugely valuable and we had a specific issue that we are wanting to tackle and that's why it was very productive but it's balancing that face time with that opportunity cost of their time, building culture, communicating is something that as a leadership team we're really focusing on the moment and I'm focusing on as a leader to ensure that everyone in the company knows exactly where we are, what we're doing and where we're going and yeah, it's everyone's adjusting to remote first, but we've been there for a while. And it, But I, I still find it a challenge every day.
2: Yeah. So let me ask you a question, you know, for the last, I don't know, probably 40 years, you have an ebb and a flow on the topic of culture, especially in the business world. So um, a guy named Edgar Schein, if you've probably never heard that name, um, most of our listeners probably haven't heard that name, but they know Michael <laughs> Porter, or they know somebody who took Edgar Schein's work from the 60s and 70s and rewrote it for a modern context. So there's all kinds of. I, I feel like the culture conversation is almost always in vogue. You know, leaders cultivate mm-hmm. culture, but culture eats strategy for breakfast. But it gets its appetite from purpose. You know, all these all these different things that we that that we kind of keep coming around to again and again. What has been a driver in helping you cultivate your culture? Obviously you're a young organization. Obviously we are in a a work from anywhere environment, but is there a lever that you have found in a WFA uh, environment, work from anywhere environment that has helped drive culture or, you know, cultivate the culture that you want? Yeah. you know, there are loads of initiatives that we're constantly
1: working out of how we can, how we can, well, we've got a games night and, you know, getting people to dial in or interest periods, things that are on the, the outside of necessarily the core working practice that people enjoy, but it also just, the main thing is getting people together and people being together. We've seen real beneficial uh, benefits from doing off sites. But I think if I was to kind of pin it down, the thing that makes people love their, their job is really understanding what the vision is what's the mission how they're contributing directly into that and then what's the output of that and bringing everything that we do back to the user so you know every every week when we have our all hands meeting we read out the user review of that of that week the the one that we that we choose which is
2: you know, they're amazing, and that's
1: why we did this. And it's, you know, it's truly incredible to see how, how much people are, are resonating with the, with the product. But that brings it home, that user-centric piece of like, this is why I'm working on them. Yes, I get paid, and yes, it's a job, but this is the value that I'm, I'm giving to, to people and, of course, to the kingdom of God. And, and I think the more we tie back around the missional side, the purpose-driven side, along with the vision and the strategy, then that gets people really bought into it because what the key test of culture is not when things is going well when things are going well culture is easy because everyone loves because it's exciting but it's when things you know take a turn or you're going through you know technology downturn like we are now things get tough and that's the test of the test of do people stay do people you know uh dig in and yeah we're, we're you know we've been fortunate that we've you know, haven't really, you know, of course, of course had ups and roads, but we haven't had those, those real, you know, struggles yet, but we're a young organization and they will come. Um, but it's something I'm always focused on culture, but I always think bringing it back to the user and what we're doing is, is so
0: important. When I think in that it's, it's the reminder of what you're, is, what your mission is, and, and just uh, you know, for a, particularly a Christian company or a lot of pastors listening to this, we can get so swamped in the day to day of business we forget of like here are the stories of life change that's happening and why we do what we do, and and really again remembering that even in the midst of you know an, an annoying Zoom meeting that you're on that you don't want to be on, or or a difficult meeting with a with a congregant or something like. That you can, you know, again focus back in on on those culture pieces by reminding yourself of those missions and the greater purpose. I okay. hundred percent.
2: One of the things I think is is key to point out, though, Dan, is when you think about purpose, you you know, in the church, we often think of purpose driven, and we think of, hey, here's the five purposes of the church. And one of the things that we're seeing, especially post COVID, is The church growth movement the last 20, 30 years, everybody had a great excuse, right, for whatever pet project they wanted. They'd be like, oh, well, this is evangelism or this is discipleship (laughs) or this is fill in the blank. And it's easier for sometimes, you know, a young organization that's growing really fast and a old legacy organization have a lot more in common than you might think. Hmm. Because the old legacy organization, there's so much risk involved. Um, every, you know, a lot of things are centralized and they've become complex because they've kind of drifted into that spot. Young organization is just trying to keep their head above water, and so they become complex because they've done an add-on or a this or a that to um, just fix whatever problems in front of them. Uh, and we know, unfortunately, we could we could have offline conversations about software development all day, uh, unfortunately. Dan and I have a lot of experience in that. But all that to say, I think it's really important to constantly come back to purpose and help people understand what it means when we say purpose or what it means when we say value. And I think it's really intuitive, or uh, I don't know if it's intuitive or intentional, but it's really important what you guys do with those reviews. When you're sharing those stories, what are you trying to embed in your team? Well, I think it's, it's when you when you're working behind a
1: computer screen, you're disconnected to actually the the product on the ground and what you're creating. So it's trying to connect that dot. So it's not one step removed. That whether you're in customer service to whether you're in engineering or product or creative every bit every bit of the organization that you are working on is directly impacting the end user and that's why we're doing it and i think it's that disconnect that sometimes you can be on zoom calls all day and you, 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 it's not tangible it's in the ether it's coming through a cloud database and it, and it sits on and it sits on a phone but that i find is really important just to say this is why we're doing it the user has to be at the center of Everything that we are doing and strategizing, and and our purpose. And one of the best things that my business mentor encouraged us to do was create what we call an alignment triangle. And that's this set in stone triangle of um, purpose and vision, values, mission. And then it cascades down into well, what are 2025 objectives and what are this year's objectives? And that is. Something that we we have we talk talk to the whole time. The top rows never change, and it's a great communication tool to the to the whole organization about this is what we stand for, this is what we're doing, and this is where we want to go.
2: All right, I'm going to move us to our next question. No Sunday school answers here. You've you've, you've already given your Jesus answer, so you so <laughs> can't use it again. What are two or three things that you? need to do daily in order to stay sharp as a as a leader personally do glorify
0: what did you say (laughs) do my glorify
1: (laughs) very important connecting in with god connecting in with yourself and 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 that's really important part of my day that's my it's my work but it's also my time to switch off i have a young family so time with kids Um, even if it's just a small time like time where where i'm intentional about time spending with them is for me i think of things that i have to do every day which are things that recharge my my mind and my body and what what are those that are recharging so it's like that, that glorified time really important time with my kids really important i love exercise so whether it's surfing or playing tennis or being in the gym or running i, I love all sport and that that is um really really important to me and then if i'm if i'm allowed a, you know another one i don't i probably don't do this daily but I have a lockbox for my phone and I encourage myself to be bored for like two hours at a time where I just stare out of the window and lock my phone in its lockbox. And I I find that some of the most valuable things that I do because I feel like my head is a bit like an email inbox. And in that time of just being bored and thinking of nothing, my head is is kind of filtering through that inbox and filing it all away and processing, you know, the high level of information that we're all getting, whether it's, you know, digital or social, it's, you know, it's, we're getting so much of it. And so that's really valuable for me. It's really valuable for me for, a, as a leader, I get quite, a, I get good blue sky objective thought and can go into meetings with um, real clarity. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't wanna, I know I've taken four,
0: but uh, but yeah, it's important. That's great. And we're for is okay, <laughs> as long as you didn't give us a, the uh, the typical uh, Sunday school answer, which you didn't. <laughs> so that's good. But you mentioned you mentioned um, having young kids at home. What does leadership at your home look like for you right now?
1: Well, completely different to what it is in the office. I have absolutely no authority and uh, <laughs> kids running uh, running muck around. That. But you know, we. We were all just we're all learning I think as you know I'm always learning to try and be a better father and try to be a better husband and you know and leading through action and leading through their their self-discovery of working out what they what they like not what I like and you know just getting to know them as as humans and as little humans that are distinct and trying to give them the best opportunities in the you know in and the best experiences in the world so they can make those decisions but you know for themselves and we try and you know we take them to sunday school we pray with them each night and we you know we're very keen that they have a christian foundation and christian upbringing um and so you know we're trying we're definitely not perfect but we're you know giving our giving it our best shot and learning from yeah you know, whoever we can
0: I feel like with young kids, I've got young kids myself. I feel like all you can do right now is just try and <laughs> try and point them to Jesus and survive at the, the most.
2: Yeah. I got to be honest. I think the most difficult thing that I find with my children in particular and leading them well is not trying to solve my own issues in their behavior. So mm. I'm like, do i have a problem that they're do- like why do i have a problem that they're doing this <laughs> is it because of them or is it because of me and that is something that i don't know like if people have been listening to this podcast for a long time they probably heard me say that once or twice over the last six seven years but yeah uh that's something that you know i, I think is an ongoing uh ongoing struggle whether it be you know, stuff that um, that you hated in your parents and you're like, I'm never gonna be that like that or say that. And then you're like, oh, I just said that. I can't believe I just said that. Or whatever it is. Or it can be your own issues. Like, am I mad because am I getting upset because they're acting like me? But yeah, that is, uh, that's not me um, trying to give you advice. That's me outing myself uh, on the podcast of what I'm currently I, lo- I
1: love that. I think that's brilliant. I th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that for sure. Um, I think that's a. I can definitely see. I can definitely see that in my day to day. So,
2: <laughs> thank you. So, okay, go back, and when you think about your 20 year old self, what advice would you give your 20 year old self about uh, leadership and and life? I think the, you know, the main the main thing is is being true to
1: what you want to do and not following a crowd but really stepping outside of the boat and i found the most important thing to me was not understanding where i was where my strengths were because that's always more apparent it's normally linked to things that you like and you know you know where you're strong because it's something that you where you excel at was really understanding where i was weak at and understanding my weaknesses and areas that actually i shouldn't Touch and areas where I either need to hire people in to help with that, or areas I want to upskill myself in. And so that was a that I think is like the earlier we can learn that I find you know really useful. So I'd probably tell my 20 year old self to you know focus on where where you're weak rather than thinking that you're great at everything and realizing that's not the case. And then it would be you know to get yourself into a leadership position, whether that's socially in a business context, which is harder because you'll, you know, you'll be at the junior rung of the ladder, but like, you know, in social situations, just organizing, leading, um, and in a church context, in a charitable context, in a hobby or interest or passion, like you can lead in micro ways and all of that you, you learn from and you're learning what it's, what it's like to, to lead people and you also learn from others on how you want to be led. Um, and I have had great bosses, I've had terrible bosses and I've learned probably as much from the terrible ones of how I don't want to lead and how I never want to lead with a culture of fear. I always want to lead for, with a, a culture of understanding and empathy. And, you know, my view is super simple that I just want to hire the best people around me give them autonomy and 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 let them build under you know the strategic direction that 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 I can provide and and they help me problem solve with everything because you know what um more is better than one and so you know hands on experience no matter whether you're naturally a leader or you're not naturally a leader no one can leave school, college, and just lead in the workplace. There's so much experience that needs to be got. So time spent learning from people who are leading you, but time spent having that hands-on experience, I think is just the most invaluable thing. And often people neglect it in their early years because they're not naturally in leadership positions in the workplace, and then suddenly they're thrust into a leadership position.
2: How would you say, so you're, you know, we've had, Tons of guests on the podcast that have had some military background or experience, but how would you say that shaped who you are and how you work today?
1: Well, I think that was that was an example of something that was just very true to to myself. And if I look back, I you know, maybe that would have been, you know, before I went into finance and realizing that I that wasn't the world I wanted to be in. I could have gone straight into that. But now I'm absolutely I'm really happy that I did do both because I learned, you know, sets of valuable skill sets from from each that, I, that are really useful for me today. But um, it gave me a great understanding of of human nature in its kind of rawest and, and most stripped back way. It gave me an understanding of how to how to lead and how to um, understand and empathize with people. But um, it gave me a great operational and logistic component, which was Endlessly useful, and I think so much of that because it was very true to myself. I, it, it 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 really built up a side of my life that probably was was lacking before that that I was yearning for, and it and and that you know it really created the you know another big big part of me and added to who I am today. So um, it feels like a lifetime ago now. It's been ten years since I since I left, but it was you know really formative. Um, for me.
0: So I've got a bonus question for you here today. Glorify has a ton of amazing content on it. What is one of your favorite pieces of content on Glorify?
1: I'll give you my favorite, and it's definitely not the not everyone's favorite um, because it's, you, you know, the data always leads us. So It's really interesting. You put a bit of content out and you think, oh, this is absolutely awesome. but Actually, people don't like it or they don't listen to it that much. But I, <laughs> I, um, I love uh, a thing called an examiner, you know, it's, 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 taken is you know hundreds of years old and it's a practice of reviewing the previous 24 hours of your life or reviewing the previous week and it can depending on the on the time you do it and you just spend meditating on that time and almost critically an- analyzing of you know of, of how that was and how you were and um, and you can then take that into the next 24 hours to set your intentions. And I'm not suggesting people do it every day, but I think it's a really good tool at the end of a certain period to use. And I absolutely adore it, but it's probably one of the less newer and trendier things <laughs> that you know, people want to do.
0: But um, for me, it's really impactful. Awesome. We'll see how the stats go up after this podcast.
2: <laughs> no, it's a really... It, um, so I haven't used that in forever, but when I was in seminary, I remember studying that. And just, you know, I, in more recent years, I've begun to appreciate things like that more. Just in the same way, I think that um, churches who naturally practice liturgy a, a little bit more uh, different denominations and backgrounds that that use liturgy more I, I think there's a, a large strength to that that over the course of time you know having that framework in place especially when you've gone through the season of you know the last 50 years in churches where uh, at least in the, in America or parts of America you had, Lots of people going to church multiple times a week and, you know, all different types of experiences and specialized experiences for affinity, all all of that. But then going back in time, you look at when churches were smaller and you had a book of prayer or you had a liturgy that everybody was following and everybody was going through. It wasn't that it was a centralized, top down thing that was from a denomination. It was a well thought out discipleship model and plan. And the simplicity of it was part of the strength. And so I'm wondering in a post-COVID age where we have people attending even less, um, if we'll see churches go kind of back to that. So. I love that. I would say check out the Examine. I will, I will do that. Actually, I, I was in Australia. I'm going to make sure that my content team hasn't deleted it. <laughs> what were you going to say? Do? back in. I said I'm going to make sure my content team hasn't deleted it. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they haven't. I was in. A, I used to do pipelines every year in Australia pre-COVID too. Pipelines a, a, a coaching event that we do for for uh, churches like i i um begged them to to let me take a couple things from the anglican church that that i visited i was like okay i need this book this book and this book because i, I really want to take these home and, and look at them so anyway dan save me otherwise i'm gonna start talking <laughs> to him about how we create moments digitally which i may or may not do offline <laughs> yes,
0: we'll take that offline, um, and just uh, want to thank Henry uh, for being on the podcast today and sharing your leadership experiences with us. Uh, it was great, great conversation. So thank, you, thank you for being here today, and want to thank you listeners for for joining us. Um, we hope this has been helpful for you and your leadership, and if it has, we encourage you to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to help other leaders find this podcast as well. Uh, thanks again.